0: thedorkforest.bandcamp.com has probably 10 episodes that were done live They cost me a couple of bucks to make, so I charge you a couple of bucks. If you've run out of regular episodes, go over to ba- dorkforest.bandcamp.com and get some more. Other than that, I say this, let's get into the show. Hey, it's Jackie Cash in the Living Room with Aaron Tracy, you guys. Stand-up comic Aaron Tracy runs Sugar Rush over at is it Second City? Mm-hmm. Okay. Second City. Second City here in Los Angeles. And I have done that show uh twice. Had a lovely time both times. Our mutual friend Dan Telfer, Dinosaur Dork, uh introduced us. Yes. So he is a delight. Aaron Tracy, uh, by the way, is Aaron Tracy Comedy on Twitter. E-R-I-N-T-R-A-C-Y comedy. And then on Instagram, it's Aaron N Tracy to Two N's, E R I N N T R A C Y. The N is for Nicole, which is my middle name. Is it spelled Nicole or Nice Ole? Nice It's. Nice uh, I have a friend named Nicole, and uh, I always refer to her as Nice so that uh, Andy knows who the hell I'm talking yeah. about. Uh, <laughs> even though I think she's the only Nicole we know. Mm-hmm. Weird. It's a great story. I'm going to tell it again, okay. Aaron. It's going to be a fascinating tale over and over and over again. So you're let's I I kind of want to talk about baking. Okay. Because you like to bake. I love to bake. And you run a show called Sugar Rush yeah. where you bring cookies I bake. and brownies. Yes. What what is the weirdest thing that you've ever baked for thee? Cuz you usually you ask me what I liked.
1: Yeah, I usually, you know, I like to, to see what the comic's like and bring something that they'll eat. Um, what
0: the, I, it is Los Angeles, so there's oh. everyone's having half a cookie.
1: Oh, man. And uh, There are some comics, though, that really get excited and, like, oh, want to yeah. bring it home. <laughs> you know, like, and the, those people warm my heart because you're right. Like, I get the people that email me the day before. They're like, oh, I just quit sugar yesterday. It's like, <laughs> you're lying. I know you're lying.
0: You're trying to quit you're sugar to today. Good. I respect that. And Fair also, enough. not
1: today. Okay. Um, yeah. I think the weirdest thing. I, don't, I weird. Okay. So the first show you did, I baked uh, a variation on the milk bar cookie, which is called the compost cookie. What is that? Which has just like everything in it. So it's got pretzels and potato chips and oats. And you like make another recipe that has graham cracker in it. And I use chocolate graham crackers. Uh, it has coffee in the original recipe, right. but I feel like that overpowers the flavor. So I go with cocoa
0: instead uh, of coffee. You, wait, you just named six things. I know. And the coffee's the thing. You're like, nah, we're no, we're drawing coffee. the line. And drawing <laughs> the line with the coffee. So was it, they were bar, they were essentially crunchy bars because they had potato chips and... No, they're like chocolate chip cookies. Yeah. But they
1: have all that good stuff in, stuff
0: in them, like snack foods in them. Oh, it's a snack
1: food It's cookie. like a sweet and savory delight. Wow. Yeah. Because it
0: has potato chips. and uh, Potato chips are potato chips, so they're salty, oh, they're so salty. and potato.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And then, weird.
1: I remember when you came, I was like, you should try one of these. You were like, nope, they
0: nope. weird. <laughs> that, well, that's my whole th- I mean, I'm just like, su- uh, sweet treats are not my downfall, but mm-hmm. uh, I do like them. I just, before you showed up, I uh, great uh, there was the last of the, pe- uh, the peppermint bark oh, man. Uh, from Christmas. I just ate probably four ounces of chocolate. <laughs> I'm like, all right. Uh, but I'm sick of looking at it in the fridge, and there's so much chocolate, because fr- it's, whatever. It's a just, holiday time. It's, a, it's over. It's left mm-hmm. over. Let's, let's clean that up, right? It'll <laughs> let's process that through the Jackie machine. Uh-huh. And uh, but what? Um, so where did you learn to bake? from the parents? No. And in fact,
1: uh, I got in trouble, man. So I grew up in a single parent household and my grandma watched me. Okay. And uh, I remember when I was in the first grade, I got this from the school book fair, which is like magic, right? When you're a little kid. And so I got this like teddy bear cookbook. Yeah. And my grandma, who was like this Irish Catholic grandma who sat on the couch and watched soap operas was like, yeah, you go bake that have fun oh really and i baked with using a plastic pan and ruined our family oven (laughs) oh god because you were little because i was little and there was no oversight because she
0: was busy watching television there
1: was no it was like go have fun with the teddy bear book i I had all the ingredients i'd figured out all of that but i had no idea
0: about heat conduction conduction yeah how could you Uh uh-uh no it turns out science uh (laughs) it's a a learn skill yeah it turns out Wow. Yeah. So we didn't have
1: an oven. So we didn't replace. uh, We also had a dog that knew how to open cabinets and pantries. Oh. So the oven then became bread storage. Okay. To hide from the dog for years (laughs) in my house. We didn't have an oven. No oven. No oven. Did you do microwave? Toaster oven? So I did. We had a microwave. We microwaved everything for many years. Uh, Have you ever tried to bake in a microwave? Yes. It's a terrible idea. It's a terrible idea. I but made- they always
0: implied that it was going to be a thing this of the future. Possible.
1: Yeah. I made a recipe when I was around that age with no oven, where I like just put um, marshmallows and peanut butter and chocolate chips, and yeah. it, and like if you stir it up, it makes like a taffy. Yeah. And I called them peanut butter smileys. <laughs>
0: Well, that sounds tasty. Did it work? It
1: worked. They were yeah. a little weird, sure, but they were sweet and like a cookie. Yeah, it was like a, it was a candy.
0: Yeah. You made candy, is what you I, yeah, made. I made. Yeah, candy.
1: I was on the hunt for. <laughs> but then I remember, like the serious baking really came in around around college. I would say,
0: I, when, but when ovens were, re- when introduced ovens were into reintroduced into your
1: life, into my life, we got
0: we ovens. didn't have an oven for two years. Because uh, the element uh, broke in our oven. It was called the element. Yeah. I don't, uh, I'm sure that that's a real thing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they never replaced it. Huh. They were like, oh, we're going to replace it. And then they blew it off and blew it off. And so we essentially microwaved and grilled yeah. everything. And I lived in Wisconsin. Uh, so my sister grilling in February, because <laughs> she was in charge of the grill. She was very pleased with herself. How, did you do any grilling? No, I mean, I didn't, again, I do No, no, was, I mean, did your family do any grilling because of the no the lack of oven? No. No, just we all microwave. We a lot
1: of microwave. We had a George Foreman grill.
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> so there was some, you had electricity.
1: We had electricity, thank goodness. I mean, <laughs> it was Florida, so it was bad, but there was electricity, so it was that bad, you know?
0: <laughs> so when you went to college, you started, did you meet other like-minded people who were like, do you know how to make? baker.
1: No, I just, you know, my, my grandma baked growing up and then my mom was never a big cook or, or she didn't bake. She was very good at cutting things. So we ate a lot of big salads. Oh, she liked a big salad. She liked to cut things. Uh, she still to this day <laughs> likes to cut things. Uh, right. She's a good sous chef. Um, but... No, I would say I, I just became obsessed. I, I went to college in New York City, and there's okay. really good food there. Yeah, and I am obsessed with dessert. And So the fastest
0: way uh, to get some dessert is just to, to whip it up. Wow, it's uh, I think the fastest way to get dessert is to <laughs> buy <go> it. Out. <laughs> yeah, but it's interesting. So what would you? What did you first start making initially? Like what did your grandmother make that? Did it inspire oh, anything man. that you made? Or? Cookies.
1: I feel like cookies is, that's, that's, that's my drug choice. That's your strong choice. Okay. I would say it's definitely cookies. <laughs> <laughs> cookies. Uh, uh, yeah, and like chocolate chip cookies growing up, before the oven was back, I would, I'd mathematically figured out how to make like one sixteenth of a recipe of chocolate chip cookies.
0: Oh, so you could just make a tiny amount of cookies? So I could
1: just eat that, just the dough. Right. To eat raw. A little raw dough action. Because that's when egg beaters were still a thing—the eggs in a carton. Yeah, you remember those? Oh yeah. So you could have like one eighth of an egg. Yeah. You could do the math. You could do the math. You could just measure it out. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I would make small portions of chocolate chip cookie dough. So chocolate chip <laughs> cookies are like
0: my. That's thing. your standard. Yeah. Uh, I know the first time I made the Nestle Toll House cookie from the back mm. of the packaging. Mm-hmm. 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 Didn't know how to bake at all. Still. Not good at it, because it is science. Yeah. And is, uh, is I just put all the ingredients in order that they were listed. Like, I didn't mix the dry and the wet and then combine. That's key. Yeah. You're going to want a standard, you want a cookie that's well mixed. Yeah. That feels like not just a lumpy, uh, grainy kind of situation. Yeah, what did they come out of? Uh, I don't know, but I ate them. Okay. Cause you, you ever make it like food and you're just like, well, no one else is here. Mm-hmm. I bought this food. I'm going to eat it. Mm-hmm. And so I did. And indeed, I don't know if, I don't know how many, I, I think I was supposed to bring them. I ate like some of them and then I tossed them Yeah, because they weren't great. No. But I learned very well afterwards that you have to mix the dry Mm-hmm. And then mix the wet, and then combine, right? Yeah, is that a big thing? Yeah, yeah. It's all trial and error. Yes, metal pans mix the dry, <laughs> mix the wet. Right. <laughs> simple, simple things that are not necessary, or easy things that are not necessarily intuitive.
1: You got to do it once. Well, and then you can get more sophisticated with the trial and error, right? Right. So,
0: like, do you
1: like a soft cookie or do you like a crunchy cookie?
0: How do you do the difference? Isn't it just uh, the butter to sugar
1: of- ratio? Oh, is that what it is? The kinds of sugar you use. More brown sugar, sugar is softer cookie. More white sugar, crunchier. Interesting.
0: Mm-hmm. And more sugar to butter is crunchier, mm-hmm. and more butter to sugar is chewier. Fascinating. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, they have that all actually- sorts of cool like infographics online where you can see. Yeah.
0: Somebody gave me a book uh, called Ratio, yeah. and it was essentially it was a bread making book, and it was all about flour to water to to liquid to to, to dry, mm-hmm. and uh, I hated it. I never <laughs> finished it. It was uh, it was a, it was an interesting because there was a moment when I thought I wanted to make bread. Yeah, uh, I don't. We I don't all want have to make that bread. moment. <laughs> bread uh, isn't hard to make it's just a pain in the ass it's a pain in the ass to yeah because you gotta you gotta need it you gotta care <laughs> i don't uh so but you do you make other kinds of desserts do you have you made pies
1: i had. i like to make pie i had a bread summer in new york city with no air conditioning oh really <laughs> where i like was going to bake bread yeah and i baked all kinds of bread. And then I was like, "Just what you said." I was like, "There's no, there's no reward in this." I, I make a delicious loaf of uh, pumpkin savory bread. I eat it. It's bad tomorrow, right?
0: Because it only lasts really just the one day. Yep. you got to have people to bake for to yes. some extent. Yes, and um, that is unfortunate for people who like to bake, yes. who who are who live alone yes. or who don't aren't super social, right. and and aren't like, "Hey, neighbors." guess what I made? A bunch of baked goods. But that's like,
1: that's a funny thing because, and that's why I love doing it for the show because there's a built-in way oh, for right, me to right. bake for people yeah. that isn't weird because if you just bake for people, which I've done in the past, mm-hmm. they're like, they think you're like taking the relationship to the next <laughs> level. They, I,
0: I bet you they do because it feels like a bigger deal than it does to the baker. Yeah. Because the baker is like, no, no, I don't think you understand. I need to bake. <laughs> yeah. You are a person who consumes food, thus I'm gonna hand you some baked goods. Enjoy them. Right. Love them. And that's and, and that's how we should all receive them. Right. Other people who don't bake. But we should just receive it as just a gift. I've stopped doing it because right, people are like, like, Whoa,
1: what does this mean for us? You know, I, know. <laughs> I,
0: I would occasionally bring things to to comedy shows back in the early. I think I was raised to bring things, and uh, so, mm-hmm. and then it got weird because people were like. Why are you bringing things? First of all, this is a business. They sell things. <laughs> and stop bringing things. And
1: uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. I, I mean, so I you know, as as a person that has also worked in the arts as a choreographer, if I can't pay my dancers a lot, I yeah. would always bring food to rehearsal, right? right. Like that's an easy way to take a break. Least. You know, there's something delicious we can all snack on and come mm-hmm. together over. But have you done savory baked goods? You said I'm not uh, because it's it's
0: about the sugar for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's basically about all forms of sugar. So sugar and chocolate and chocolate. Okay, that's it. How about brownies? I do like a brownie. How do you make a homemade brownie? I have only made brownies from a brownie mix, a box.
1: I mean, so the, actually the brownie recipe I used when you did Sugar Rush was a combination. So I just got very fancy cocoa powder. Okay. I, I like invested in the like nice cocoa powder. <laughs> What's bad uh, cocoa powder?
0: Just like Nestle or like something? Like
1: the Hershey's. Okay. It's like just normal. Standard. Yeah. You know, which I respect and have sure. used, you know, there's like the next level up is Ghirardelli. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. And then like I ordered like the, the Belgian like oh, right. delicious cocoa. Yes, right? something like very fancy fancy it's shipped to me from Amazon (laughs) Um, so but so it's a combination of you melt down unsweetened chocolate and add the sugar okay to the unsweetened chocolate and cocoa powder right with the flour and the dry ingredients okay Um, because for that particular recipe I was going for a fudgy brownie okay opposed to a cakey
0: brownie a cakey now, and how do you and what's the difference on that? Is that just amount of flour? So I, it, per chocolate or So I think if you want a cakey or brownie
1: you'll probably use a bit more cocoa powder. I'm not a brownie expert. Right. But uh <laughs> I imagine that you you would, you would go to skew to the like dry cocoa, right? Yeah. So you don't have as much maybe liquid to like okay. make it rich and fudgy. Right. Do you bake every week? Um no, not every week. Okay. I don't bake every week. I would say I probably bake okay. So I am a procrastibaker. <laughs> what
0: a procrastibaker. Finally, <laughs> the word we needed. Yes.
1: This is a real term. I didn't make it up. It's in okay. the, there's a New York Times article on people that are procrastibakers. <laughs> okay. Um so uh, I if I have something large pending in my life mm-hmm. and I want to uh, sink that submarine, I will bake a lot in one week. <laughs> oh,
0: there you go. Oh, it's, it's work avoidance.
1: Right. Because you g- you're very uh, productive and creative.
0: You feel like you're doing something so much. You're not doing the thing, no. Nope. But you're doing this other thing,
1: and it's delicious. Sure. <laughs>
0: <Okay>. <laughs> right at the end of it, everybody's uh, had happy. a delicious thing.
1: Everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. You you get to eat the dough. Along the way, yeah, make sure it's tasting right. Yep. Uh huh, there's precision, you have to focus, you can't think sure. about that other stuff. Nope, uh, so I would say it's um more compulsive baking. Right? Fair enough, fair enough. <laughs>
0: so, uh, did you make pies? I have made pies. Um, do you ooh. make the crust?
1: Uh, I've made the crust sometimes, it depends on how much I love you whether or not I make the crust because crusts are the tricky part, ooh, right? It is that's kind of like bread. There's, okay. there's like, there's got to be love in that action <laughs> or else
0: it's not worth it. Might as well buy it. Yeah. And,
1: and they have good ones. They have good ones. They yeah. have like gluten
0: friendly ones even. Right. And you, but you can get uh, like, there's the kind that come in the tin mm-hmm. and then there's the kind that you unfold. Yeah. I don't understand the
1: unfold ones or why those would be superior. Right.
0: I don't, uh, they seem a little bit more malleable. Maybe. If you wanted to like lattice the top, yeah. I guess. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that seems to be the whole, because Andy just made two pies for his own birthday. Yeah. And my mother-in-law just made a couple pies for Christmas. And she likes to use the unfolding kind with the rolling.
1: Really? Yeah. Because she does pretty, like, patterns on the top of it?
0: No, it was (laughs) a, she made a pumpkin pie and a pecan pie. Okay. So there's no lattice. There's no top, yeah. Yeah, there's no top. There's just the, there's scalloping around the, around the, thing. Yeah. And then Andy made these weird, he wanted his birthday to be weird food thing, but he loves a sweet treat. Mm-hmm. So, and you can have a piece of pie before we go, uh, because that. there are several pies uh, in our refrigerator in the garage. Uh, they're both sort of pudding based mm. with one, he was like, it's a, it's um, sour cream and raisin. Huh. Yeah, that face is correct. <laughs> I was like, "What? What are you doing?" And then it has a meringue on the top. Oh, nice homemade meringue. I like a meringue. So, okay, um, I don't. Uh, I don't dislike a meringue. So it's like cheesecakey, kind of. It's more like a vanilla. I, I ended up liking it because okay. I made him. He, I didn't make him. Uh, he said, <laughs> "I'm gonna make two raisin pies," and then his mom, genius, said, "What about put? What about dried cranberries?" I will eat a cranberry and pudding pie, I guess, mm-hmm. is what it is. So there's one that's a cranberry sour cream pudding pie mm-hmm. and one that's a raisin. Sa- and I was like, raisins? are I'm unmoved by raisins. Even though yeah. cranberry raisins aren't much different. They're just a little tartar.
1: Yeah. There's something fancy
0: about a craisin, though. <laughs> <laughs> right. And, they're- and the meringue is nice. He made a nice meringue on them. Yeah. And uh, so it was... But they're... There he he gets a pie shell and then he fills the pie shell and then he bakes them. Yeah. And so, what what kind of pies do you like?
1: Uh, I just made a really good. So I did bake for someone that was gluten free and dairy free recently. Oh wow! And I made a. A, like a modified version of just like your classic chocolate pie, like a southern chocolate pie. Yeah. And I used coconut milk instead of real milk. Right. And the rest it turned out delicious.
0: Yeah. And like a little coconutty, which was yeah. a special which treat. Which people love. Which people love. Yeah. And just a hint of coconut is kind of nice with chocolate. hmm mm-hmm. It's delicious. Mm-hmm. That sounds delightful.
1: Uh, and I made a derby pie recently.
0: What is that? Uh so it's for the
1: Kentucky Derby. Oh there you go. The horse racing. Um mm-hmm. and it's it's like like a walnut chocolate chip with bourbon pie. Wow. Boozy pie.
0: Wow. It's delicious. Walnut chocolate chip sounds delightful. Bourbon just mixed in with sort of the milk and the
1: Yeah, but it bur- like the the just has alcohol burns off.
0: It burns off. It just has, f- it it, it just has that a little sort bit of, f- of that flavor and, and aroma to it, I yeah, bet. Yeah, that, like, sweetness yeah, yeah. that bourbon has. Oh, wow, it's interesting. Yeah. And
1: that turned out really well? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a classic. That's uh, one I go to a lot. when Oh, I, is it? Yeah, and if there are people that aren't so big on bourbon, then I'll just substitute vanilla, more okay. vanilla extract. You can do that, too. Sure. Yeah. And what about cake? See, I love to eat cake, mm-hmm. but cake is one of those things that people get really weird about if you bring them a cake. like Oh, like, like you've somehow... Like you bake someone a cake. You're like, I brought you this for
0: your birthday. <laughs> and they're like... The stakes oh. are high then. Yeah, yeah. You've just raised the bar again. Yeah. That's weird. It's, um, I don't, I've only made cake from a box as well. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I've never done, I clearly have not done enough baking. I mean, do you have nice bakeware? I have nice bakeware. I have fancy ingredients. You have fancy ingredients. (laughs) Do you have the best sprinkles? What's happening? (laughs) I'm not a big
1: sprinkles gal.
0: Right? Uh, There's cupcakes and
1: muffins. That's true. Those people... Muffins are like a sad cupcake. (laughs) Like, muffin
0: is what I eat when I feel like I should be eating something healthy. Right, and yet don't want to. Right? (laughs) So you're like, I'm going muffin. (laughs) And it's blueberry. And it's... Ugh. Uh, In
1: general, about the raisins and the I think if you add fruit to any baked good, yep, um, the people eating it really
0: have to love you to enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> now that's now I would say here's I used to only like pumpkin pie. Okay. And then I was introduced to a decent cherry pie. Mm. And I love a cherry pie. So yeah. that's a fruit That is a fruit. That's good. A fruit pie. I actually cuz I love a strawberry rhubarb pie a great
1: deal. Yeah, I mean fruit pies are a different category than like, than like say, a dried fruit, fruit. Oh my or god. Like yes. a, an oatmeal raisin <laughs> cookie, which is right. the saddest of cookies to receive. People
0: see. Get, people get <laughs> I <know>. furious. We're going to have furious. angry comments. Oh, we love the oatmeal raisin, Put a chocolate chip in there instead Come on, right. people, it, be humane. Well, it's so it's so funny, because if you have a stack of chocolate chip cookies and a stack of oatmeal raisin cookies, people are like, no, I don't want an oatmeal raisin cookie. I want a chocolate <laughs> right. chip cookie. And they'll be like, mm, I guess I'll have an oatmeal if uh-huh. there's only those left. But I don't actually mind an oatmeal raisin cookie. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> You're like, what? What's happened? <laughs> and, um, yeah, it's, I, uh, but I'm more of a savory person in general. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Um, so what savory baked goods are you into? Savory, You know what I like? I like a garlic bread. Oh, I like a yeah. rosemary, uh, like a baked rosemary bread. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I like to do, which I did not get to do with the last chicken that I baked, is I like to get a, sort of a rosemary olive oil. Sometimes there'll be an herby bread. Mm-hmm. And I'll just, I'll rip it up, like sort of like you do, or cut it up. And I'll put it underneath a chicken and then bake the chicken on top of it oh. and make something I like to call, and I've mentioned it before, chicken bread. Chicken bread <laughs> is all it is, is fucking schmaltzy covered chicken fat bread. Yeah, And if it has herbs on it, it tastes even better. And uh, it is not good for you. And but it is like a butter. delight. Yeah. It's like a stick of, you've, yeah. you're eating a stick of butter and it's wonderful. It sounds delicious. It is delicious. <laughs> okay. It is a delicious treat. Um, but... So, do you like to make a cookie or a bar more than? I mean, do you make bars? People make bars.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, I love the cookie because I feel like the cookie is like the sandwich of the baked good world. Like, it's all you need, it's tidy. Okay. It's like it's it's self-contained, its own right. unit.
0: You, nobody has to cut it. Nobody's gotta cut it. It's already it's already prepared. It's its own item. You don't have to decide fork or no fork. <laughs> right, right. Sometimes with a bar, you're like, oh, I should probably get a fork. Right. This is a lemon bar. And you're like if it were a lemon cookie, I would just eat it. I just pick it up. Yeah. Uh,
1: so I think cookies, hands down for well, pun yeah. intended. Pun <laughs> intended. Uh, I think cookies, for that reason, you know they're yeah. uh, they're very accessible, right? Right, <laughs> we're right. Go highbrow with this.
0: Right, right. And so okay, so your favorite cookies are your chocolate chip cookies, obviously. Love chocolate chip. Cookies. Let us uh, speak uh, of any other baked goods you you would like to talk about, or shall we move to the next ordo?
1: Uh. I think that's it. I mean, again, I could talk about this for ages and I could also talk about like dessert in general. Okay, what other desserts? Ever? Oh my gosh. So in in LA there's so much, right? There's like Milk Bar just opened. What is that? Which was like New York, no. Well, there's they have soft serve ice cream, but it's like a Milk Bar. It's like a Christina Tosi uh, oh, I think I saw you, a Netflix thing. for sure. Okay, uh, from Momofuku Milk Bar way back in the day in New York, used to be a thing. And she has like she crack cereal? pie. She has cereal milk ice cream. Okay, uh, so what's I'll crack serve ice pie? Cream. Crack pie is like uh, it's like butter pie. It's like really delicious. <laughs> it's, it's like butter. I don't okay. know. It's like a chess pie kind of. Uh, like it's like gooey, sweet. (laughs) Let me just let me just give you words that describe (laughs) all
0: desserts. Is it vanilla? Is it chocolate? It's like butter. butter It's
1: like buttery filling. Okay, it's like buttery, gooey filling. My mouth is (laughs) watering.
0: Okay, is it? uh, There's something called. A gooey pie.
1: It's like that. It's like a like a cheesecake. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's not cheesy though. It's okay. More buttery than cheesy. <laughs> um, All right. Crack pie. She's crack got, pie. She's got. I'll look like, it up. If you go in there, it's like cookies. She's got uh, cornflake, marshmallow, chocolate chip cookies. She's okay. got corn cookies, and my favorite is you can get a single slice of her birthday cake. Oh which is like vanilla confetti cake with crazy icing and then like like vanilla cake dough inside the oh, icing weird. it's there it's like fantastical over the top desserts
0: okay yeah that is weird about los angeles is that it does have a lot of donut shops mm-hmm. and dessert places for a place where everyone's very concerned with staying thin i know I don't know if there's a lot of throwing up going on, but uh, what uh, what other dessert? What other desserts do you like?
1: Uh, so what else do I love? I like Bottega Louis. If you've been uh, downtown, no? there's like there's this restaurant called Bottega Louis. Um, How do you spell Bottega? Like bodega? Like Bottega, but,
0: but tees. with t's with t's instead of uh, d's. d's. Okay
1: uh <laughs> yes and it, and is it new uh no it's not new it's been here since i've been in california okay sure so,
0: so at least five, five years five years now maybe okay uh
1: so and and they have like obviously they have all kinds of like macaroon like ooh, fancy, oh the uh-huh. yeah sure. and but then they also have a a bakery case so they have beautiful pastries eclairs i'm like envision. they have fancy eclairs and sure. uh lemon meringue tarts
0: and they're beautiful a cannoli
1: that i don't know if they have cannoli
0: <laughs> it, i don't know about that i there's a there's a uh, a coffee shop restauranty thing over in toluca lake called sweet salt oh, or yeah, salt love, sweet yeah or something oh, like that man and they used Fender. to have this thing i don't even remember what the hell it was but it was amazing they said it was Canadian. It was a Canadian cake. And I was like, do you have the Canadian cake? And they're like, oh, we stopped making that. And I was like, I don't even know what it was called. It was Canadian cake? It was a Canadian cake. And I was like, I don't remember the Canadians being that super, I mean, they have poutine. Which they think they invented gravy and cheese on French fries. And you're like, you can have it. Right. <laughs> it could <can> be yours. <laughs> and, uh, and then other than that, it just feels like. Maybe like it's maple syrup. There wasn't any maple syrup on it. Well, I do like maple syrup, though. I do, too. Uh, but I like, it's weird when you go out and you're like, is it real maple syrup? You don't want to ask because it feels insulting. Yeah. And the waitress or waiter doesn't always know. They're no. like, uh, and if they don't know? It isn't. <laughs> it means it's just corn syrup. It's just
1: normal. Yeah. Like Aunt Jemima. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I think a Canadian cake, I'll have to look that up. Ooh, the last time I went to Sweet Salt, I got, because I eat a lot of desserts as well, I got a rhubarb, like, uh, it was when rhubarb was in season. I right. got a, um, like, a rhubarb pound cake. Okay. That was just out of the oven. Wow. It was so A pound cake with rhubarb baked into it. Like on top. So it was like, I want to say, and I don't know for sure, but based on the taste, I think it was, there was some cornmeal base uh, and then rhubarb (laughs) on top, (laughs) Uh, but it was like sweet and buttery and tangy because of the rhubarb. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's why I like a a strawberry rhubarb pie is because the the rhubarb will make it a little bit more tangy, more tart. Yeah the uh, what do you think about puddings? Do you like a pudding? <sighs> Custard? Ah. Uh, That's not your not your downfall from the sound of it? No, it's you know if it's part of something
1: is if it's integrated into the dessert in some way. Sure. I, I don't mind a pudding. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Um but a pudding as just When you go out? Yeah, just a pudding by itself I feel left wanting.
0: Okay. So are you is it the is it the uh, the grain? that you're
1: looking for yeah, you need you need yeah i need some sort of to flour teeth, like sink my teeth into a little Fair bit enough.
0: you know Fair. what about ice cream <sighs> i
1: love ice cream i now that i'm a little bit older dairy for me
0: oh is, it's hard is mm, uh, it's oh it's not treating you right it's not so good oh interesting i can't do the dairy as much there's, I think there's like non dairy ice cream. Yeah, right? there's I like,
1: like a non dairy ice cream, but it's not the same. It isn't the same.
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's something. Else. It's a different food entirely. Yeah. But um, like, so, like, I don't know. I don't ever. You know when you go to a Trader Joe's and they have that whole row mm-hmm. of candy. And stuff, usually above, like, the shumai. Yeah. And uh, you're like, oh, there's dumplings. (laughs) And if you look up, there's, like, dark chocolate... um, Peanut butter cups. Peanut butter cups. Oh, man. What is with those? Oh, they're so good. They're really good. They're so good. (laughs) Yeah. Have you ever made a dark chocolate peanut butter cup? I I don't even know how to make that. I have. I mean, you just... You are never gonna
1: make the chocolate. You know what I mean? Like, right? You can you can make a little parts of that, and you can mix up the right. I mean, peanut, you take butter peanut butter with and sugar and some
0: marshmallow and stick in the microwave. <laughs> you
1: got a peanut butter smiley? Exactly.
0: That's what you're looking for—a little peanut butter smiley. And uh, that's what I'm gonna ask for the next time I do sugar rush. Uh, can you God make some peanut butter smileys? I <laughs> feel like these are disgusting. <laughs> uh, they sound amazing. Quite I think honestly. they taste
1: good. Like the first two minutes out of the microwave. <laughs> oh, that's I don't it? think they age well. <laughs> I think they get very hard.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Wow. My ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. Rangers, this is an ad for The New Yorker. You don't need an ad for The New Yorker, but you need to know that you get 12 weeks of The New Yorker for $6 plus the exclusive tote. So you go to newyorker.com slash dork and you save 50% off. Usually the first 12 weeks is $12, but uh, Dork Forest listeners save 50% off when they enter the code dork. So go to newyorker.com slash dork. You know the New Yorker. The New Yorker is some of the best writing in America today. Beyond publishing the best writers in the world, they literally have been holding people in power accountable through rigorous reporting and compelling storytelling, both online and print, You get both of them, by the way, for the $6. And it's a full range, uh, including politics and news and international affairs and climate change and the environment, pop culture, the arts, fiction, food, humor, cartoons. Uh, One of my favorites, of course, Helen Rosner, a James Beard Award-winning food writer, joined The New Yorker as a roving food correspondent last year in 2018. And she is contributing essays and reported stories on all things a uh, foodie. So that's uh, my current favorite. Of course, there's Ronan Farrow. There's a staff writer and professor of journalism at Columbia who writes about race, politics, history, and culture. Anyway, it's the freaking New Yorker. You get a free tote. Get 12 weeks of the New Yorker for $6. So go to newyorker.com dork and you save 50% off when you enter dork for six bucks. Let's get back into the show. Now, you were talking about other things that you like to dork out about. Yeah. So there is dance and there's science. Dance and science. Yeah. So
1: I um, I recently moved to Los Angeles. Right. Um, and I moved from San Diego where I was getting my master's degree in dance theater. Okay. Uh, and uh, UCSD has a lot of science that happens there. And um, I think... Some of my favorite work that I would do is is to uh, do dance with scientists or help scientists with their projects through dance. Interesting. How was that a thing? Um, How did that start? Yeah. Uh, well, actually, the very first person I was uh, introduced to was a person that was working on self-driving cars. Okay. Um, he was the tallest person I've ever met in my entire life and very German, and they they. You know, wrote me an email. And they were like, one of these engineers is working on a self-driving car and they need a choreographer to help them figure out movement. Oh, and interesting. And do some experiments based on movement. Oh, wow. And so I met with this fellow, very nice man. Um, and of course, in my head, it, I just thought every we would be like, dressing up wearing boxes that look like we're driving cars and like running around in a dance studio and um and he said they said you would be the perfect partner for me because uh, what I'm actually looking for and I'm sure this isn't what he meant but was like (laughs) was to see how um how to help make self-driving cars assholes (laughs) Assholes. Yeah, because uh, when you're driving, human drivers and pedestrians have a certain degree of aggressiveness. Right. Which is how we know who might go next at a four-way stop if we're not Aha. sure. Right. Or how we might know if someone intends to cross the street or if they're just standing there with their friends talking. Right. But uh, part of the issue with self-driving cars, he was explaining to me, uh, was that... Cars can't understand, can't be assholes in the same way that people are. Yeah. Uh, so they have to figure out how people um, convey intention through movement. Okay. Uh, so part of that is uh, so that they can convey it
0: to the other self-driving
1: car. So that they, so that when self-driving cars are on the road with human-driven cars, Ah. uh, then humans don't take advantage of the fact that self-driving cars were made to be safe. Ah. Because you could just bully... That's hilarious. The self-driving cars. Right, exactly. So they looked down the line of choreographers and said,
0: who could help you? Right, how do we turn the self-driving cars into self-bullying cars? And they said, Aaron. Oh, there you go. Let's find Aaron and see if Aaron Tracy could tell us uh, how to turn a a car into a jackass. But it's a good question,
1: right? It's like if if you... Right, because hierarchically, safety is so important. Right, that's what they're trying to do. But then, at a certain point, it can be unsafe. Right, super safety can be unsafe if. Well, because if, cause you're if never... nobody
0: knows what who's who's supposed to go next or any sort of, you need some sort of indicator.
1: Right, or if you know, oh, okay, well, this is how. I can get my own self driving car to slow down or to stop for someone. Right. Then I can use that on other cars in the wild, right? If I'm in a rush to get somewhere. (laughs) Right. uh, Right. I could take advantage of that. So that was kind of how the science thing started. Uh, I don't think I was
0: as helpful to them as I was going to say. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that's a very almost impossible thing to try to articulate and um, create in an artificial ser- situation. It's an interesting idea that they would want such a thing. And they it, it does sound like something that they would have to address. Yeah. But to, to artificially create that situation sounds almost impossible. Because you would have to create technology that could read
1: like very micro indicators of intention right right both in like part of driving as you see someone else's eyes or they
0: give you a wave or if you make eye contact with them and some people don't want to oh yeah and then and then you you're like Oh, he's not letting me in because uh-huh. he won't look at me. And uh, But if you can get him to look at you, he'll be exa- exasperated but let you in. And you give him the wave. And you're like, thanks. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, to you, we would have to create sentient I- AIs, which then, of course, means the singularity. Right. And then, of course, it's all over. Right. Our lives are done. And we are then the servants of the machine. Yeah. So, uh, (laughs) which, what do you think about self driving cars? Have you heard of such a thing? I don't like them. Andy wants them. I don't want them. Man, there's, uh, I like the idea of having a driver. Don't get me wrong.
1: I was about to say, the lazy part of me is like, bring it. Like, you know, I had to drive to San Diego for a project recently. I was like, if somebody else could be driving this thing, it would be great. Uh, But, (laughs) (laughs) but I, I, um, i I think based on just those limited conversations I had, the enormity of what that means, I don't think was ever clear to me, right? It was just a concept until okay. I was getting into the nitty gritty and what cars would have to know and how we would have to change how we as human beings interact with technology in order to share the road with them. So I would say right now,
0: I'm a no. Too soon. I'm Too a no soon for right now. Fair enough. And now... What did you do with? Did you get your master's? I got my master's. All right, in choreo in dance choreography. <laughs> yeah. So you can now direct marching bands. What I are we can, looking at? You can call me Dance Master Aaron. Dance Master Aaron Tracy, you guys. <laughs> what would you? What do you do with such a thing? I mean, I suppose if you were in theater and you choreo- you could choreograph things. Yeah. Uh,
1: so it turns out you do stand up comedy. <laughs>
0: well, yeah, that's what that's what you end up doing. <laughs> You're like, I'm gonna do stand up. Um,
1: no, I've, so since then i I work on a I've worked on a variety of things. I work with theater shows. Okay. Have like a movement sequence, or yeah. I tend to work not with musicals, more with written, uh, like. Oh. Like Just regular, regular theater. theater shows. Okay. Uh, that that was really the area that I was more specific to was both to work with um, with shows that use language. Okay. So speaking and, ta- speaking instead and talking instead of song, speaking and dancing. Uh, or I also work a bit, and I think this is why uh, I ended up partnering with science. Is I I also am interested in dance for non dancers, right? And how how there are different ways to get non-dancers moving. Um, okay, and the applications for that. How do you get non-dancers to dance? Oh, there are a lot of answers to that question. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I am. I am of the very strong mindset that we and uh, that we should all be dancing to a certain extent uh, as a practice, whether or not we're dancers. Oh yeah. Um. And I and. Theoretically, uh, yeah. I I would say that there are two as part of my value system. There are two, there are two reasons for that. And the first is that uh, movement in general and and the ability to move in all directions, right? Instead of just walking forward, yeah. We're, like we're used to being very frontal creatures, yeah. But the possibility of moving through space in any direction, this cognitively is good for us. It's been studied.
0: It's good for you. Oh, it gives around. you oh, so flexibility, it, it, it affects your mindset as yeah. well. And is. how
1: and spatially, right? Like, if you have to navigate moving through space, yeah. in all different kinds of ways at all different levels, uh, you're, you're building some more neural pathways. Okay, well, right? oh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, and, and then the kind of the other side of it, and the side of it I've been thinking about a lot, and that is very problematic is uh, touch. Like, I think, so something we do a lot in contemporary dance is is touch and partnering and also exercises where we just use um, non-sexual, non-sensual physical touch, yeah, right, to gain information about where our bodies are in space, texture, all different kinds of things, right? But but we just, it's such a problematic thing because it's something we don't get, unless you get, like... Regular massages, or you take a yoga class where you have a very hands-on teacher okay. or something like that.
0: Like if you get body work where people touch you in a non-sexual way. Right,
1: if you get Reiki right, on a regular basis. Right,
0: which is, it just, um, that, that, what you're saying is that that's good for people.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, we've done all these studies about how that, impacts babies and young children, right? How, how important
0: it is to be touched. Yeah. Um, and yeah, f- physical contact is super important, super I think. It's super important. Because if you don't get touched and you don't have someone to hug or hold you or, or even just, you know... Any, you know, any any sort of physical contact, you can feel real isolated, yeah. and it can be emotionally really hard to interact on every other level. Is yeah. that what it is? Yeah,
1: so, but I mean, as a person that just is barely making the cutoff to be a millennial, like, there are so many of us living alone, maybe with roommates, working from home. Right. From home oh, A lot job of home working, like, yeah. you know, so I think... I think that's a, a question and also a problem, right? Like even now when you go out and you take a class in the world, if you take a dance class or something like that, mm-hmm. there is there's so, there are a lot of politics because so many people have abused the privilege of being able to touch other people. Right. Um, but that's something that I am curious about and feel very strongly about How how do we reintroduce Um, Scenarios where human beings can touch one another and people can receive touch. Um, and in motion, too, I think that's the beauty of dance. It's like you're it's not like you're laying on a table and someone's doing it to you, right right? You're like you're gaining information about your body, but you're also gaining it about your body in motion, moving through space, right. Like How if you, you take exist.
0: ballroom dance or you take right. swing dancing or or something like that,
1: right? or or if you're in contemporary dance class and there's someone, you know, picking you up or just helping you feel, um, you know, the connection Guiding. between your head and your tailbone, you know, like, do the- you know, Solange Castro. I, I have Jen? met her. Yes, I have. She's she, a big salsa uh, lady. Right, right. right. Yeah. She has
0: done a salsa um, episode. It was probably two years ago now. But um, it was a fascinating episode because uh, how often she goes salsa dancing and how she has never dated uh, one of her partners she's like i don't these are not men i have anything in common with except for the fact that i love to dance with them yeah. and they love to dance with me but it isn't sexual it's just a really fun athletic ev- uh, event essentially yeah and i mean maybe that's part of it too is that is that it isn't just dance it's also like people who play basketball like ian Bag is a comic who likes to play hockey yeah. and he's got to be 45 years old but he's you know on a hockey team with a bunch of other 40 year old 45 year old guys and he can sort of screw around and you know and and have that physical interaction with other people without it being a sexual thing where it's just like because I think we do I mean if if we're all working from home and we're in front of our computers and we don't necessarily and we're we're shit talking each other over the with the with the video games and stuff like that but that's our entire interaction with humanity there is trouble there i mean it's trouble brewing and it's trouble obviously it manifests itself in people not knowing how to actually do face-to-face and 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 you know just sort of being in in the world
1: yeah there's that like visceral hu- humanity comes through touch like there's something yeah you know you aren't just a, a picture on a screen right the, you're not post. an avatar right yeah you you have veins and
0: bones and skin right right, right. And I can, there's there's heat yeah and there's and, and you're just a person yeah and so that's interesting do you dance regularly I I
1: dance regularly. I honestly, I don't do it as much as I would like. Yeah. Um, I recently, the kind of the last major project that I worked on uh, was, uh, I was working with a neuroscientist and we were studying the impact that dance has on Parkinson's disease. Okay. Um, and what it would be like for people that have Parkinson's disease to have a regular practice of dancing and learning choreography. So, co- cognitively speaking, right, like learning a combination that they have to repeat over time. Okay. Um, and and so I was dancing in a very specific way for that project, right? Because it was not about you know the limits of my ability, but right. instead trying to. Um, Translate the experience of being in a dance setting into some in through a setting that was much more lab, like right uh, right for non-dancers would,
0: like a, a sort of physical therapy kind of situation. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So, so you were trying to choreograph something that that someone with Parkinson's could do. Mm-hmm. If they, um, if if that was part of their PT kind mm-hmm. of situation, yep, that's interesting. Yep,
1: so I, I do I, I dance on my own. I take class here in Los Angeles a lot. I'll I'll go to all different kinds of classes. Oh, different dance classes. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. Like what? Uh, so, gosh, there are so many. There's the. Uh, I bet there's so <laughs> many choices. Oh, and I'm gonna get in trouble. But uh, so I'll take. Uh, you know, Millennium Dance Complex is like a very famous hip hop studio okay. here. Sometimes I'll take class there. Uh, you know, I'll I'll take there's a burlesque class I used to be able to walk to from my house. Oh, wow. That you can just take, and it's, yeah. it's technique, right? You're learning turns, and you're, like, doing the sexy dance, and yeah, you're, yeah. like, here, like, old-school twirl my like feather flowers flowers and Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh,
0: and the hip-hop it, thing is more, like, skipping and... and <laughs> yeah, I am a, I'm a hundred. <laughs> you're doing that thing with your feet, right, where you're skipping up and down, and kind of I you just wish look... I could see the hand <laughs> you did with skipping. Was just <laughs> it was just skipping thing as you can tell jackie cash a lot of dance i only dance when no one is watching so um it's uh, it's very rare oh man so but yeah i think that it's a good idea because yeah. it would be so okay, so hip-hop and burlesque yeah and- there's a there's a great
1: studio that does like cunningham technique that it's peter performance space does a uh, buto and they bring in all different kinds of what movement. is buto uh, that's a like a
0: Japanese form. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And the and the um. So okay, so the yeah. other you just what's the Cunningham <laughs> technique?
1: Uh, Merce Cunningham. It, uh, so it's like kind of from the school of modern dance. There there were all these different. Uh, techniques that came about that like have all these rules and a sequence of movements that you do. And, and Merce Cunningham was a choreographer and a very famous studio uh, runner in New York forever. Right. Merce Cunningham studio closed uh, a handful of years ago and it was like the end of an era. Okay. He like very innovative, like uh, looking at movement Um, part of that whole postmodern idea of like, uh, he worked a lot with John Cage, that composer that was like, three minutes of silence is a song, right? Like, it's it's like... (laughs) That was not what he sounds like. I should. uh, There are a lot of very hardcore uh, cage fans out there, sorry guys. Uh,
0: But like, this is the safest space (laughs) in the world. It's fine because you can, you can, you can like it and still be like it. It is right. I mean, I can tell that you love it. I can tell that you love it, but you're also like, this feels weird to talk about. But you can't. I mean, you should know in your heart. I don't know any of this. It's just we, this is this is even worse than music. I don't know anything about dance, and I know nothing about music. So, so the thing is about modern dance. Whenever I see modern dance, it doesn't. It's sort of like modern art. I know that there's a reason that they're doing it, that something has has occurred to make it uh, a process that everyone recognizes, and things are built on top of other things that came before it. But I don't know what that is, right? So what is modern dance and what did it like cuz the last thing i remember <laughs> is ballroom dance, okay? <laughs> and let us say, i mean there's the, i mean there's line dancing. Yeah. There's uh but modern dance it feels like to some extent modern art. Where if you look at a Jackson, Jackson Pollock painting, you're just like, "Well, that is a mess." <laughs> but it isn't a mess because he trained and then Came, something came from you know, like it was built on the shoulders of thirty things that came before it, right. and then Jackson Pollock made his thing. There's that giant black dot that's on the corner of that canvas that's at the Guggenheim, and you're like, "That's a black dot on the <laughs> canvas," but there's more to it, right? Yeah. And nobody talks like that. But what no, is I, where, where does modern dance? Well, and I think this is
1: what you're articulating right now is the crisis that. <laughs> That dance is having right now, okay. Which is, uh, it's it's. I would dare say the forms of it and and we're kind of that are being innovated right now are very highly specialized, right? They're for the people that understand the legacy that went before, okay. Um, like I I've made so a lot of shows. Narrow. Yeah, I mean I, I've made a lot of shows where people walk out and they're like. I don't know what it was, but it was fine. You know, (laughs) like, uh, and and so it's, I I think that's, that is a good question. And it's like, so, so modern dance happened a while ago, right? Modern dance, that's all the like, uh, like we're no longer just doing ballet. Okay. Right. We can have a different relationship, uh, to our bodies than like french court dance yes from hundreds of years ago right We're, like questioning Spatially. that right so then that yeah. was a questioning of that and then from that then came all this post postmodern dance right pomo <laughs> pomo, pomo dancing post, is that what it's called <laughs> uh just by those of us that love it no uh, <laughs> so then there's postmodern dance which is again like a so here is a very modern dance is, is has a form okay right there is like the mommy and the daddy and they have a form in schools and you know oh, Ram and, and it was
0: and it and it happened and it happened.
1: So, and then after that, there were these people that started to question and there was Judson Church in New York where people were like questioning what is movement is uh, just like what is music? It's like a stillness dance. Yeah. Could you, like, what, how do we have relationship with other bodies? Uh, So, so. There have been a series of people that have that innovated around that time, right? Like we're we're in New York City and it's like the, the hippies and the sixties, yeah. seventies. Okay. Even into the eighties and uh and then there's all these groovers
0: right. who are questioning and being the radical. structure of modern dance yeah. and saying there's more to it than that. What could this be? Yeah. And so then they're just they're creating Sort of, they're rebels from it, right? But they create from that were their structures that came from that the postmodern dance.
1: Yeah, so then that I would say that was what we call postmodern dances, like that Judson Church era when when people are really you know contact improv those kinds of uh, those kinds of things are emerging that uh, maybe are they touching each other they're touching each other what's the choreography of this different stuff yeah so i would say there there's a a wide range right but but if if we're talking touch i think we're talking about the steve paxton and we're talking about contact improvisation which um is where you uh are are using so again it, it it takes uh it is a form uh but it's it's about uh Two bodies that are l- taking away the hierarchy of the man always lifts the woman. Okay, and there's always structure, right? That that there's a possibility that through touch you could be lifting people. In a huge group of people, right? You could be rolling and falling and catching and using your body in a way that's soft enough that you wouldn't get hurt even if you were maybe doing things that are unplanned, right? Okay. It's all improvisation.
0: Ah, okay. So improvisational dance. Mm -hmm. But it's contact improvisation, so you're You're touching other bodies.
1: Right. Um,
0: I once... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say, I once saw a performance art that was uh, horrible. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, everyone was working very hard to create something very interesting, and it was not. Uh, we it was supposed to be about cloning, and it was a science fiction. Uh, it was uh, all silent, yeah. uh, and there was da- there was lifting and people wandering around, and um, and I have to sneeze, yeah. but so that may happen uh, at some point. Where now. did you see it? Down by UCLA or USC, uh-huh. uh, probably. 14 years ago. Okay. And uh, it was one of the first dates I went on. <laughs> <Bless> Thank you. <laughs> you. With Andy Ashcraft. And um, we went with some friends of his who bought the tickets. And so the four of us go, and it was theater in the round. Okay. And uh, there were many people in lab coats, and two people were born, and they were completely nude and hairless. <laughs> hairless, nude, man, woman, noodly, noodly, noodly no hairs. No yeah. hairs on their face, no hairs on their parts, all hairlessness. Great. And um, they, uh, there was contact where he would carry her around, and at one point he held her over a basin, and some balls fell out of her, and they <laughs> clanged in the in this basin, and uh, at which point an older couple in front of us got up and left, and uh, we thought. <laughs> good for them wish we had the guts because you literally it was such an interactive kind of performance art piece there were probably 16 people in the in the in the cast right probably 100 people in the audience and it was in the round and the couple who left had to walk through the cast to get out oh, no. but they were like oh no we're leaving and uh and I think at a certain point maybe it's 60 where you're like no no I get it uh I got a uh, head out. Yeah. And uh, so good for them. Yeah. But it was, it felt like, I mean, there was physicalness to it that was interesting, Yeah, you know, and there were people like the, the lab coat people were on pulleys and on structures, like sort of scaffolding. Yeah, And they were hanging off of things. And there was this sort of choreography going on. And then the two sort of Man, woman, noodley people—they were lifting each other around and doing yeah. things, and that was interesting. But it was—it did not have a narrative. Yeah. That sometimes I need when I see theater.
1: Well, and again, I think that's part of uh, dance. Is I—I uh, I, I dare say—and this is something because I have a, a theater background. I love language. I—I I like to talk a lot. That—that um, <laughs> that dance, I would say right now many of the popular ideas is that it's aligning itself with the idea of non-narrative. Oh, interesting. That, that is, that dance has a visceral experience to offer. That is not about offering an audience a narrative like or a, a ballet story. might, right? Like you're not going, you, if you go to the ballet, you might see Giselle, right? You might right. see Swan Lake, you know, there's a narrative attack, you know yeah. why they're doing this thing. Yeah. Whereas I think a, a lot of, I think what you're describing in, um, what a lot of uh, dance makers right now think a lot about is how do how do you make a dance that doesn't have to follow a narrative trajectory and can give people experience of movement without having atta- to attach it to story.
0: I like to think of that as ice skating. Uh, I don't know if you've seen a lot of uh, ice skating uh, where they dance around to some music and stuff. There's no narrative there. They're just showing off how good they are. Oh, at, uh, they're just pretty nice with the jumping and the skating. <laughs> <laughs> is that dance? Oh,
1: man. So. <laughs> who, uh,
0: Am I making this This is when they
1: all egg my apartment in Glendale. No. no I
0: uh, So. Good for you for looking <laughs> Um, So I would
1: say, dance. So I would say, dance makers—the people that make the Jackson Pollock—and are, are interested in that would might look at uh, ice Figure skating. skating. Yeah, as as like a, I don't know, like a poster.
0: Okay. Okay, so so it's sort of like a simplified two dimensional version of what the art that they're trying to create.
1: But it's a different form. I mean, ice skating has it's a different. There's some dance technique. Yeah, in ice skating, but it isn't dance technique.
0: Right, because it's skating. So it's a technique. different thing. So it's, it's a sport. It
1: would be like a different poster than a pollock, right? Right, like it would be. a they would be like a basketball poster
0: instead right. of <laughs> because you, when you think about movement, you're just like because there's uh, there's those there's those people who dance with ribbons, yeah, rhythmic you know? gymnasts, the rhythmic, yeah, and then there's regular gymnasts, right? and then there's the floor uh, the floor routines uh-huh. of those people, and that is not dance. Mm-mm. That is different. That's a different thing. I mean, there's again elements of dance. There are elements of dance, and there's element of athleticism in dance, right. And where they meet, and it's artistic dance—that is its own thing. Yeah, that it,
1: that, oh gosh. And then the, it's so broad, right? Right. It's it's. Uh, but I, what we're talking about is that very specific, uh, post post modern dance. Yeah. Uh, movement, uh, where where people are are. Beyond, beyond. That sounds very dance of me. They're beyond virtuosity. Right? Okay. It's not about necessarily. And some some are still interested in that. Some are interested in experimenting with that. But I would say that there's there's also the question of like, and I, part of what came in during that postmodern era was like pedestrian movement as dance, walking, walking,
0: running. Okay. Right. Well, now see, and, and this is where it feels like. A little bit of the Hunger Games <laughs> uh, in the way that you're like, because when, when I see, and I do not, as uh, as Rangers of the Dork Forest know, there's not a lot of pop, pop culture being consumed by one Jackie Cation. So I don't watch a lot of like the Super Bowl halftime uh, mm-hmm. productions didn't or miss anything. <laughs> Beyonce, you know, like Beyonce, the formation thing, right? Yeah. But when I do see it, I'm like, wow. You know, that is choreography. Yeah. That's clearly been choreographed, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't a word, but uh, <clears throat> it's been, there's been some planning, is mm-hmm. what I'm saying. The, everybody's jumping at the same time. There's a lot of movement, and that is dance. And that is dance that is not necessarily telling a story. It is, uh, but it's just, it, it, it's sort of athleticism mm-hmm. and choreography and dance, uh-huh. but it isn't necessarily. Hey, we're all going to show up at the MoMA and see this, right. right? So there's so many different levels to this, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I think the like classic w- classic choreography of like here is a song, w- we break the music up into certain counts, we make a move for each count is still arguably somewhat narrative right we're telling the story of that song that of Beyonce the, song okay. right like the, our punch 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 head throw is yeah. like we don't need a man anymore right Right? like the whatever twerking, we're doing with our cage, yeah, yeah is like about being an empowered woman right right, right. Still, you can
0: look at it you can't touch right, it right. don't stick your penis in it until I say yes exactly. okay. <laughs> okay
1: I think that is exactly what the lyrics are to that song too. <laughs> uh, but I, I think that they're now so for example something that i did a lot as a master of dance is yes. uh, work with people that were interested in improvisational scores so we had like a plan for what would happen in a time frame but we didn't know every single count okay so it was like we could have a score right for like this over durationally this is what we will achieve okay physically but it isn't like one two three four okay
0: so, oh, oh, I see. So it wasn't choreographed in the way of like a chorus line,
1: right? It was it open. Was, it's an it, open score.
0: It's an open score. So you know that the the that, that it's a, a four four beat.
1: Not but even. But do though. whatever could be no music. Could be no music. Could be no music. Could be we're going to start in a group on the ground. Yeah. Uh, so we have over thirty minutes. We're going to start in a group okay. on the ground. Uh, from the group on the ground, we're going to, uh, each establish our own space in the room okay, and, uh, deal with a head tail connection or spiral or something physical.
0: Okay. For example. head tail. That sounds like, uh, with top of your head, <laughs> uh, head, your head and yeah. your tailbone and your tailbone. Okay. Uh, so you're working through the spine yeah. from those spaces. Yeah. Got it. All right. Uh, he- head tail connection. Um,
1: that's also, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So, uh, and then from there, we'll we'll move into everyone is walking forward at a quick pace. Okay. And then, right, so you like, you know where the choreography is, right? One could say the choreography is a plan. Yep. And there's a plan to that. But it's not a song, right? right. It's not driven by music. Okay. It's driven by dance. Oh, it's
0: driven by dance itself. Dance being its own thing. Dance being its own thing. Not beholden to music. Not beholden to music. Oh, musicians at this point are going, what? What just happened? <laughs> did, you, did you, how'd you cut me out of the, how'd you cut me out of the...
1: There could be music and equation. that could be part of the score. Right. And in fact, I, I worked with musicians and made, and they danced with us and made music and as part of the score. But it wasn't about, it doesn't have to
0: start with the structure of, of music. It can start in silence is the music inside of you? I'm so sorry to laugh. Because of course it is. It has to be, right? The music is inside all of us. <laughs> it has to be inside all of us. And and if this is your song, how can you not sing it? Is uh is the, Maria's, what she calls her fart bit. She used to close on this whole thing about uh, she was working with different sounds and it was farts. Uh, fart noises. And I call it her Philip Glass bit. Yeah. And she calls it her fart bit. and uh, But it was... <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And it is a lot.
1: But um No, I would so when I taught contemporary dance yeah. as part of my master's program, I would assign that. I would say they would work in groups and they would make a dance and I would say part of your dance has to be either in silence mm-hmm. or to something that isn't like canned preset music. Okay.
0: So it could be typewriters or could be typewriters. it could be noise. Could be noise. A a, a a non-musical situation yeah got it Something or non-traditional music non-traditional
1: series. musical yeah so i yeah. had one group that uh, there was a brilliant singer she was an opera singer get, getting her doctorate degree and and like she improvised a so, like singing but not words and not any words we ever knew before and <laughs> right. it was magic and all the students that had only ever heard iPods their whole life looked up at the speakers in the dance studio like oh where is that coming from? And, and it's coming just from, from a human her. body, right? right. And she, with no amplification. With no amplification, because her voice
0: is that big, right? Yeah, like it just space, right? Just filled like, the.
1: But those are the kinds of opportunities I think that. But because it's gotten to that place, I think people that are used to watching dance and choreographed numbers with an eight count, right? Then when you watch something like Oklahoma. that, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> then when you watch something like that, you're like, whoa, right? This is weird. This, yeah. This is a woman with things falling out
0: of her over about the... Right.
1: And I don't know... I don't understand the rules of this.
0: Right. It didn't... Yeah, it felt like... And this thing felt like it didn't make... The reason the performance art wasn't very good was because it couldn't decide. Mm. It was both experimental and trying to pay homage, uh, homage to um, something traditional. Right. And it, failing on both fronts, quite honestly. Yeah. Uh, but... It didn't mean it wasn't worth the effort, and it felt $39, like I could have lit it on fire, but I was glad to have paid somebody's rent in the end, because uh, it was, but it was, and it was what it was, so it's yeah. fine, but it, it did resonate, it yeah. did stay with me. So, does so arguably, that, arguably, that means it's
1: something you carried it with you in your cells, yep. <laughs> to this day, to this very day,
0: <laughs> and and Andy and I will still, at the laugh end of about it, it. <laughs> we will still laugh about it. He just told me that he did a thing at a at a it was not dance related, but it was music related where. During college, he was in a band mm-hmm. uh, that performed at the Rainbow Room um, one time or two. I think he only did it a couple of times. There was a band of artists uh-huh. who, and they were musical, obviously. Yeah. And he was a fine artist. He went to school for fine art, and um, he painted during their oh, set. Lovely, yeah. And he for forty-five minutes, mm-hmm. un unremarked by the uh, by the band, he just painted, and. Um, and i was like would you ever want to do that during my set and uh, yeah. where he just <laughs> and i he was like you could never mention me and i was like well that seems weird did they never mention you he said no they mentioned me yeah and i was like you should just say well this is my artist <laughs> and then i'm going to do my set <laughs> and then i would do my jokes and then he would paint whatever he painted so then i have a question about that so would you as as
1: a stand-up comedian, if you introduced something like that, like art with I dare say a capital A, yes, into the space while you were performing comedy, right? How would you deal with that?
0: How I don't even know what that would be. Yeah, that, and that doesn't feel like my kind of stand-up comedy. <laughs> it would be like more something that Maria would do. Yeah, except for that, I could do it. I mean, yeah. it's not like I. It could not be done. Yeah, I wonder about
1: that because of dance. Like, there's part of me that would love to, like, figure out how dance and stand-up comedy go together without having to be, like, totally slapstick and, like, knock over the stool, right? (laughs) Like, uh, I would like to figure that out, but it feels like that invites – like, that level of being virtuosic mm-hmm. invites something that isn't funny, right? Or, like, a listening or an attending to the performer.
0: Right. Right. It would definitely... Well, what it would be offhand, it sounds that it would be terrifying, <laughs> yeah. is what it sounds like. It sounds like you're like, oh, I've, 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 got, I've, got, I've got to fill the silences. Mm-hmm. With stand-up comedy, I have always felt this thing... People, comics who, who can be quiet... I've always admired them, you know, like Tig Notaro or Stuart Lee. And uh, they will celebrate that silence and they will just sit in it. And you're like, how? How are you doing that? And to do something like what you would want to do, where you would take that movement, that dance part of it, and make it part of your stand-up, it would, I bet you it would open up, it would blow open parts of your mind and you would write things that you wouldn't, that no one's written. Yeah. You know, and it would make it would make your stand up very unique to you, and it would take a second. Yeah, like it would. It would suck for a while. It would suck for a while, but it really does. Whenever you try anything new in stand up yeah. comedy, <laughs> that's true. I mean, if you think about it, like there there are bits like we could all write. You know your mama jokes uh forever right we can all we can all make fun of our you know do the things that we do and talk about being fat or talk about going to the bathroom and and yeah. and and fucking around and you know, we could talk we talk about the same nine things that we do and we do anyway right but we make them very personal So you could take, you know, if you wanted to work movement and dance into your act, it would be very difficult. I just have to figure out how to do your mama in interpretive dance. Right. Well, because you, like, like you have a bit about your parents, right? You have a bit about your mother. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, how does that fit into dance? How could I talk about my mother? There was a woman in Minneapolis, actually, who did, it was character work, Uh but it was hilarious. And she did this thing where she would tell a story. And every character in that story had a different physical tick. Oh, I love that. And so she would talk about a woman in the story had freckles. And so every time she talked about that woman in that woman's voice, she would just make dots on her face with her fingers. She had a physical vocabulary attached to each one. I love that. That's brilliant. And so and there was a dude who had, you know, he had a tick or he had a, a physical attribute and that could be the movement yeah. that you could integrate into your act if you wanted to move, integrate movement into your act. Yeah. That'd be kind of wild. Yes. It'd be dangerous, it would but be you scary. have, you have a space, right? The sugar rush. Mm-hmm. I'm talking, by the way, Aaron Tracy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but you have this space that you go up every week. Every month. Every month so just right <laughs> so it's yes it is just a month once a month but it, it, it's a safe space yeah because those are people who like you yeah and they come every month and you could experiment with that and you'd be like here we go you guys I'm gonna go into Aaron's yes. strange world of dance comedy <laughs> yes Aaron's strange world of dance comedy could be
1: fascinating <laughs> I badly want to go there I yeah and the thing time. is is
0: there's there's no rule with stand-up no because stand up can be anything. If you've ever watched uh, Zach Galifianakis, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's a that guy's a, a, a weirdo, and uh, and it was hit and miss. Very choreographic, though,
1: right? To lay on the ground, he will he, lay- It's that's choreography,
0: right? Yep. So
1: brilliant choreography.
0: So think about that. Uh, we are very much at an hour. Okay. And uh, <laughs> this is, uh, I, I wish we had started earlier, but I'll have you back because this I was fascinating. Yeah. Aaron Tracy, uh, you can, you can uh, follow her on Twitter at Aaron Tracy Comedy, E R I N T R A C Y, comedy. And on Instagram at Aaron N Tracy, two Ns, E R I N N T R A C Y. Thank you very much for doing the show. Thank you for having me. And Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat.